Welcome to the X's and T podcast, where we talk about X's and T with your hosts, Corey and Danny. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome. Uh, we're really excited. Um, this is a much more special episode, I think. It is. Um, we've talked about it in the past, right? We've mentioned it before that we are starting this new segment, if you will, mm-hmm. um, called Speak Out. And what this is, is it gives us an opportunity to connect with our audience. It gives us an opportunity to allow others to share our platform. We've had the opportunity to share our stories and now it's your turn. Mm -hmm. Um, So with Speak Out, basically it's just, you can send us a story to our email, which we'll link below. Um, DM us on um, social media. Yeah. So today we actually have an amazing privilege um, we're speaking with somebody and I think I'm, I'm biased because this person is related to me um, and I happen to know her very well. Um, but I, I want to say first and foremost, that I'm really proud of this person for coming and talking to us because I feel like she has so much to speak about and to mm-hmm. add value. Um, so everybody here is my cousin, Tara Lynn. Hello. Welcome. <laughs> Hi, uh, thank you. So just kind of diving right into it, what made you want to come and speak out with us? Um, so I have been listening to your guys' podcast and the thing that like sparked my like want to come and speak is that when you guys were both talking about how you're so glad that you didn't have girls that you ended up, you both ended up having boys. Yeah. Um, so I, I have two girls. I have a 10 year old and a six year old. And, um, when I was younger I had I was abused um by a family member and then wasn't believed by other family members and I just really want I didn't want that for my girls so I have worked really hard and learned a bunch of different things to make my parenting better for them you know what I mean like I just I wanted to avoid the same trauma that I experienced does that make sense like I just didn't want them to experience what I experienced Right. So um, I wanted to come on here and just kind of share a couple of things that I've done for my kids because of what my trauma has taught me. Right. Absolutely. I think anybody who knows, you know, what it's like to go through any sort of trauma, you definitely want to prepare your children mm-hmm. and just make them aware. I guess maybe not prepare, but more so make them aware Yeah. Um, of just the things and the red flags that maybe we didn't see when we were younger. Um, And that's by no fault of the, you know, the past generation. I mean, they didn't know what they didn't know as far as like, you know, right. And like this, this saying is one of my favorites when you know better, you do better, you know? And um, yeah. And I don't, I just don't think that our parents knew, you know, and now that, now that we do know, and now that we have a, a nice platform to speak out about things like abuse and domestic violence and all of that. I think that it's our job to help prepare our children for the potential ugliness of the world, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Especially when that ugliness lies within your backyard and it Mm -hmm. can, and that is the Mm -hmm. unfortunate part. Um, So just really briefly and and to what you're comfortable saying, you know, with the trauma that you had gone through, um, what did that kind of look like? And then, um, what has it been like for you kind of overcoming that? Yeah. Um, so I was abused 
between the ages of 12 and 15. Um, and it was often. So I got diagnosed with complex PTSD, meaning something, um, basically that just means like the abuse that I suffered, I suffered for a long period of time, like over a period of years and very, and it happened frequently. Yeah. So because of that, I have been just really hyper aware of like things that I know trigger me. Yeah. So this, I spent three years um, with the abuse. And then when I finally spoke out about it, um, I, I just wasn't believed. And I didn't speak out about it again until after I had my first daughter. And um, like when she was born, I looked at that little face and I was like, this isn't, this isn't normal. I, I thought that like that the abuse was completely normal that everybody experiences this, that I'm not special, that, and it happens to other people and other people are fine. So like, yeah. I should be fine too, you know? Right. And then when I had my oldest and I looked at that baby girl and I was like, this isn't normal. This is not normal. And I think that because I was so reckless before I had her, I, I think that having her really opened my eyes to how unhealthy I was. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, I started going to therapy like right after she was born, um, which I, she was born um, in Utah. So like I live in Oregon and she was born in Utah and Utah has this thing where they kind of have you go talk to someone after giving birth because they just want to make sure everything's okay. And I don't know if they do that for everybody, but they did that for me. They, they, they kind of like made me go talk to this therapist. Oh, wow. I wish yeah. I would have been know, offered yeah. that. That's really important, especially after having a baby, like that's so much to go through. Exactly. And, and I, I probably wouldn't have gone to therapy had I not been like forced to go talk to this lady after my oldest was born, you know? Right. Um, and so um, once I started getting into therapy, I, 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 I like dug up a bunch of stuff that I wasn't expecting. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it, it became kind of this, um, I had to kind of retell my story. And then when I retold my family, what had happened. I was like 25, I think. Yeah. So yeah. Wow. Wow. Mm -hmm. So, um, what was that like for you kind of talking to your family about it and, and how did that kind of shape how you handle parenting now? Um, it was really scary, honestly, like to, to talk to them again about what had happened. Um, because when I initially told them, I, I was essentially called a liar, right? Like that didn't happen you can't say things like that. You're going to ruin someone's life. Like, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So then as a 25 year old with a baby, you know, being able to come back out and be like, no, this did happen. And, and I was scared because I didn't yeah. want to get called a liar again. Um, and also I knew that at, like, once you open that box, you can't close it. You yeah. know, once, once you crack open that can of worms, there's no putting it back in. So I, I had to be really prepared to stand up for myself. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah. And so when, when I had, when I had my second daughter, um, I was terrified because I ended up having two girls and having two girls means you have to worry about like kind of twice as much. I'm not saying that little boys don't also get abused because they do. They definitely right, yeah. do. Yeah. Um, it's just for, from my experience, um, I was just really scared to have mm -hmm. little girls. Yeah. Cause well, cause you, you've experienced it. Like, you know, from the little girl's perspective, mm -hmm. it's a little mm -hmm. bit harder. I think for, especially for me to see it from the other side, just cause I have no idea what that's like. Yeah. And, um, I think that's why for, for me, I could like, I was terrified to even think about having a daughter mm -hmm. and, 
it's because Kyle was so angry when he found out it was a boy. Mm -hmm. He was so prepared for a little girl. I mean, we're talking just like he would send me pictures of like little girl onesies and was just obsessed with the idea Mm -hmm. of having a little girl. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And now we know, and of course this is all alleged. We don't know for sure what his intentions were, but we absolutely feel, I know for me in my heart, I know that he there has ill intentions. very ill intentions with having a daughter, yeah. especially considering his charges now and now what we know about him. So right. for us- And even in his family. Oh yeah, Allegedly. absolutely. Allegedly. So yeah, yeah. It's hard when, it, and that's kind of exactly what I had seen in Kyle's family is the abuse was in the family. And that was really challenging to see. Um, and then kind of like, preparing my kids, like making sure they know that like one, I'm a safe person, but telling them who are safe people and what safe traits are. Mm -hmm. And like, I read something on Facebook this morning that said safe people don't ask you to keep secrets. True. It's Mm -hmm. very true. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. So um, just kind of as far as like moving on from that, now that you're, you're so many years off coming out with that story. Um, and then you go, you, you do therapy quite yeah, often. I do. <laughs> yeah. No, you inspired me to go to therapy. To be honest. Honestly, because, like best decision I ever made. <laughs> right. And that's one of the things that we always try to hit on is that like, I mean, we're not professionals, so we can't tell people what they can or can't do, but highly recommend professionals because they know what to say. They know how to navigate those waters because nobody is prepared for abuse. Nobody, we have no idea. Like I know I wasn't prepared to deal with, you know, I mean, I was raised by a narcissist. My mom has uh, a borderline personality disorder. And the more I learn about BPD and the narcissistic traits that they have, the more I understand that what I went through was abuse. I didn't ever feel like it was for the longest time. I just felt like I was a bed. Mm -hmm. And how do we change that perspective with our own children? Right. I look at other people with their like healthy families and I'm like, what's that like? (laughs) So along with being abused, I also have a super, not a healthy attachment style. I have an insecure, anxious attachment style. And basically what that means for me is I feel replaceable. I feel like at any moment, my mom could replace me with somebody else. And my brother could replace me with somebody else. And my husband could leave me for somebody else because I'm not worthy of being kept. It's not true, right? Like my mother loves me. My brother adores me. My husband loves me. Like I know this, but in my head, the way that my attachment style works, it's I'm not good enough, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that also, that attachment style also leads me um, to, you know, unhealthy people. And one of those at the time, unhealthy people was um, my oldest father. You know, him and I were, uh, gosh, we weren't, we weren't even married that long. Like, I don't know, eight months maybe. Um, And he, him and I just didn't work out, right? Like we just didn't work out. But it also like, I was also just very convinced that um, I get treated that way because I deserve to be treated that way. And so- one of the things that I've really worked on with the girls is building like a healthy attachment style. And um, my therapist told me that the ways you do that is by building intimacy with your kids. And intimacy is more than just like romantic, right? It's it's that trust. Yeah. And mm-hmm. um, one of the things that I just started doing with the girls actually that they that they both really love is I started blow drying their hair. 
And I know that sounds weird, but they'll take a bath or a shower. And then we, we go in my bathroom, we sit on the, on the, they flip their hair and I brush their hair with my fingers. So I'm touching them, right. I'm touching yeah. them and I'm, I'm doing it an act of care, which is blow drying their hair, taking care of them. And then, um, because the blow dryer is loud, I get to be like kind of close to them. And then I like tell them, like whisper in their ear, how much I love them or how brave and smart they are, or, um, what good sisters they are to each other, or they're such great daughters or, you know, just really like giving them affirmations yeah and that's like our time together that I get to just kind of praise them and and I think that being able to do that builds up that confidence in themselves and it it allows them to to be proud of who they are right like because I feel like in our generation if you were proud of who you were you were conceited yeah absolutely yeah. yeah don't, I got, be, don't I, be boastful. Right. I got con- called conceited all the time as a child, all That's the time. So unfortunate because you it want is. your children to love themselves. I mean, I was, I have still to this day, the, to the, the worst self-confidence because I don't have it. I mean, one, I had a mom who talked orally about herself all the time, but I also was not encouraged to have these healthy self-thoughts. The one person who was supposed to protect me in my life said the absolute worst things that you possibly could to a child. And so I, I still to this day have such a struggle with like viewing myself as worthy and either settling for less or diving into those unhealthy environments and unhealthy friendships and unhealthy relationships. I'm not surprised I ended up with somebody like Kyle, to be honest. Right. Yeah. Um, That abuse it's, it, it just, it changes who you are. And I think it really does. I think you and I were talking recently about um, kind of living in that constant state of what would my life be like if somebody (laughs) intervened, if the right person actually like came in and said, this is not okay. What would life be like? Because that kind of trauma at such a young age really shapes who you are. And I think you said it beautifully when you said that when that trauma happened, who you could have been died. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the woman I could have grown up to be, she died at the age of 12, like, and I'll never get her back. Right. Like, like there's no going back. Yeah. But what I can do and what I have done is I've taken my trauma and my experience and I have accepted what happened. And honestly, radical acceptance is my least favorite, but most useful tool that I ever learned in therapy. Yeah. Um, but I've accepted that that's who I am now. And what that gave me, it empowered me to decide what kind of woman I wanted to be. And yeah. that also, you know, just helped me decide what kind of mom I wanted to be and what kind of wife I wanted to be and what kind of friend I wanted to be. Yeah. And I think that being able to take control of that and like really like look at things and decide who I wanted to be, it, it gave me a lot more power than I was expecting because right. I had spent so many years mourning this girl who died that that I could have been this person I could have been that when I just when I found out or figured out that just because that version of me died doesn't mean that I have to live in this trauma filled, grief stricken shell of a person, I can still be my beautiful, vibrant self. And I can empower others to be their beautiful, vibrant selves as well. And that's like, that's one thing that I try really hard to instill in my kids and my girls is that they get to decide, they get to decide who they, who they want to be, where they want to go, what they choose to do. And nobody is going to stop them. Right. My, my oldest for, I gosh, I'd say probably three years, my oldest wanted to be a librarian, a librarian. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Right. Which is like not a traditional 
little girl dream. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, but she wanted to be a librarian for a long time. And um, my That's mom. That's funny. I love that. My, <laughs> my mom, who I adore, right? And my mom, like, for the record, my mother is a is a fantastic woman. She's she's incredible. Um, I remember um, my oldest telling her, I really want to be a librarian when I grow up. <laughs> and my mom looked at her and goes, you are too pretty to be a librarian. Oh. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, mom, you can't say that to her. <laughs> That is something your mom would say. I could see her. Saying. I know, I know, and I and we love her for it, right? Yes, and I remember, absolutely. I remember looking at her and going, "My librarian's really pretty at my school, though. Pretty people can be librarians." And I'm <laughs> like, "Yes, queen. So yes, for her to stand up for herself like that. Oh man." Yeah. But that kind of dialogue is exactly what our parents taught us. Mm -hmm. And that still shocks me to this day, like how many, and not to say that this is your circumstance by any means, but like the more stories that come out on like TikTok and other platforms of like how many moms or dads instilled eating disorders in their children Mm -hmm. because of the focus of their physical appearance. I mean- I, again, with my mom, she would say the absolute worst things to me. And I never felt pretty. There was never a day in my childhood that I can remember, like looking in the mirror and liking who I was, because again, that person who's supposed to protect me would mention things about my physical appearance or like things about me. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, man, like, that's so unfortunate, but I love that we get to kind of move past that. And I love that she was like, my librarian at school is pretty. (laughs) So one of the, one of the big things that I have uh, taught my girls is like boundary setting is 100% necessary, you know? And, um, and that includes setting boundaries with like adults. And I know that that's hard for them. I, I, I especially know it's hard for my oldest because she is such a, um, tender heart that she doesn't want to hurt other people's feelings. Right. Right. And, um, when she says things like that to me, one of the things that I started saying to her is are other people's feelings more important than yours? Because when you don't set boundaries, right. And you let people treat you in a way that you don't like, you're hurting your own feeling and your, your feelings are just as important as other people's feelings. And I don't think that is, yeah. I don't think she ever thought about it like that. I don't think she ever in her mind thought that her feelings were on the same level as other people's, especially adult, right? right? So we started out kind of small, right? Where I was helping her set boundaries with me because I wanted her to know that I'm a safe person and she can set boundaries with me and I will respect those boundaries. And we started out with when her door is closed, I knock, right? I don't just walk into her bedroom, I knock. And um, while she didn't necessarily set that boundary with me, I told her like, hey, to respect your privacy before I come into your room, I'm gonna, you can ask other people to knock before they come into your room, i.e. her sister, her dad, not that her dad ever walks in without knocking, but like little sister will just come barging in. And um, I remember that, but I remember the first time my oldest set a boundary with my my youngest, Uh, my youngest goes barging in and my oldest goes, I know you're excited to see me and I'm excited to see you too. I just need you to knock to make sure that I am dressed before you come in. I love just, that. Awesome. Just so kind and so sweet. And, and that is another thing that I really wanted to install in the girls is setting boundaries doesn't have to be mean. You don't have to be mean. You can just right. politely ask someone to, set, you know, respect a boundary. Yeah. yeah. And I think that, I think that they both thought that setting boundaries was mean right you're like telling people what to do or and listening to her set that boundary in such a kind way I was like man 
like that's a mom gold star. I feel like I get a mom gold star for that. hundred yeah, percent. Yeah, absolutely. It is. And yeah. when you see those things that you're learning yourself and you see your children doing them, it's so rewarding to, really? to see that. Cause I think even as adults, like we're constantly learning, at least we should be constantly learning. And in that, like I can change, I can always fix something. I mean, you can never go back and like undo something, but you can right. only move forward. Mm-hmm. And I, I definitely still struggle with that hundred yeah. percent every day. I'm always like, you know, kind of like you were talking about mourning who you could have been um, mm-hmm. and feeling like sometimes I feel like, man, that person would have been a better parent to my kids than I am. And going to therapy, I think is so important to like kick that mindset away and be like, no, right. I, I mean, I am their parent. I'm the only parent that they have. And that's it at the end of the day. Like I got to be the best for them. <laughs> I got to get myself mentally stable right. so they can at least have a, a chance at being mentally stable. Right. That stability yeah. is so important. And I, I feel like for, for my girlies, I think that letting them know that even sometimes mom has bad days, I think that that's also really helped give them compassion and empathy or like teach them how to have compassion and empathy. Yeah. Um. So like I, I have fibromyalgia, which is like, terrible (laughs) like luckily I'm not in pain all day every single day but like when I have flare-ups like it's hard to move like my body hurts you know Mm -hmm. and the girls know that when mom's having a flare-up that usually means we get to snuggle right we get to hang out and snuggle and um we started watching a couple of creators on YouTube and since the three of us started watching it together none of us watch it without each other and I just think Mm -hmm. like this this was like a sweet way to bond with them, you know, and it yeah, started yeah. out because I was hurting. Right. And it's like, okay, like I want to, like, I can't, I can't do whatever this other thing is that you want to do, but like, let's sit and watch a show together. And then, um, they showed me Mariah Elizabeth is one of them. So they showed me Mariah Elizabeth. We started like watching all of her stuff. And now just like every Friday we sit down and we watch our YouTube together and, and spend that special time. And like, I think that having that constant guaranteed time, they know they get to spend. I think it really helps. Like I, I, you know, my mom was a single mom and she worked like my whole childhood. Right. And so we didn't have guaranteed times except for Friday night. We always did TGIF party pizzas. And you remember like TGIF, remember the TV show, the, oh man, it was, it was on like ABC or something. And there was like an array, like a whole list of shows that they just showed like one after the other on Friday night. And we would watch those shows together and eat party pizzas, like Tostino's like party pizzas. That's awesome. awesome. Yeah. But that guaranteed time, like it's, it's such a special part of my childhood. And I wanted to be able to give that to my girls too, you know? Yeah. And it just so happened that we fell into this because of, you know, my fibro. And then now it's like this special time that they get to spend. And I think guaranteeing them time really helps build that attachment as well. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And I think learning from, you know, the things that we, I know for me, and I, I, I don't know, what about you, Corey? Like, what are some things that you've kind of seen that like you're moving forward with and how you're changing things for the next generation? I think I know with like my son, because I have been, I've always obviously like I'm a single mom and even like through the beginning of like when he was little and a baby and stuff I was always working so I missed out I feel like I missed out on so much stuff because 
I was always at work and right. he was always the first like year. Or so he stayed home with my mom. Thankfully, I didn't have to put him in daycare yeah. until he was a little bit older, but I feel like I missed out on so much. I never had like that quality time that I wish I had. And so now I'm like starting to like make time for those because yeah. even though, yes, I still do work and stuff, but it's hard between like him going to school between my work. Like it's hard to find that balance of finding something to do. Even if it's just like we snuggle on the couch for five minutes before he goes to bed or something yeah um but I try to like every Friday night we have we we try to have like a movie night yeah so we usually like we'll watch a movie in my room or something like that or um last night even we watched a movie out here together on the couch it's just like those little things that I try so hard to like give him because I know he misses me like I miss him so it's just trying to balance everything it's just it's hard it is hard you have to find those like time to make sure that all their needs are being met too yeah Yeah. and I think that I think that having like a guaranteed plan right so like for for me and the girls it's youtube right like guaranteed we're gonna Mm -hmm. watch youtube together whether we sit in my bedroom and watch it while dad sits out in the living room or while all four of us watch it as a family um just them knowing that it's friday that Mm mariah elizabeth came out with a new video that means we get to sit with mom and dad and like spend that quality time and i think when they like can expect it it makes things a lot um, like it, it makes them miss you a little bit less because they know they're, you know what I mean? And the other thing that I did, um, that I think a lot of parents should do, or like that has helped a lot is learning what my kids' love languages are. Yes. That's like, such, that book changed my <laughs> life. Cause I, I, we had talked about like, my love language is not physical touch, especially right. following tr- the traumas that I went through. Mm-hmm. I'm not a physical touch person. It's hard for me as a not physical touch person to find out that my children are physical touch kids. Yeah. And cause they have that book, right? The, the five love languages and they actually have the one for kids too. I've only read the, the five love languages. I haven't read the one for kids yet, but go, even just going online and taking the quiz with your kids, if they're old enough, um, mm-hmm. or just kind of gauging with your children and figuring that out. Like with my youngest child, it's so different. Like he's, he's neurodivergent and, and in different ways than my oldest is. Um, so for him, it's a little bit different. He's not so physical touch, but my oldest, he's, he is very physical touch. Mm-hmm. And so it's learning how to overcome and push my feelings aside. Like I am not physical touch and to be physical touch with him mm-hmm. for my oldest hers is quality time. And so that, that makes that Friday night date, like super special for her. And it means like when we're doing that, it means I'm not on my phone. It means I'm not checking my text messages, my Snapchats, anything like that. It means I'm not doing anything other than sitting with her, watching the show together. And because when I start to do something else, let's say, she's like, mom, are you watching? Mom, are you watching? Mom, are you? And it's like, I'm so sorry, sweetheart. Yes. Let me, let me, let me get back focusing on what we were doing. And it's not even that her and I are talking, but her knowing that we're doing the same thing together, that really like fills her tank. And my youngest is a physical toucher. It, (laughs) it doesn't matter. Like her, her foot is on me. Her hand is on me. Mm -hmm. Her, she's laying on me. It is. As long as she is touching, she doesn't like really care. But like, I remember one time we're sitting, sitting on a couch and she's, she likes to hang upside down. <laughs> she's hanging upside down on the couch and I'm sitting there and she's hanging next to me, meaning like her head's on the couch cushions, her feet are up on the back of the couch. And mm-hmm. she just, just tips her foot over and just puts her foot on my shoulder. And I was like, what are you doing? And she's like, I just want to be close to you. Oh, I was like, okay. So this baby is a, a physical touch baby. Okay. <laughs> 
I can handle that. <laughs> yeah. 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 My son is the same way. He's constantly always touching me and it's hard for me because I am not like that. So I'm trying to have that. It's just, it's hard it to is. deal with, but I also like, don't want to like discourage him from doing that. So right. I'm like, yeah, Ugh. it's like a constant internal struggle, especially with the types of abuse that we've endured. It's yeah. like, mm-hmm. it, it affects your whole life and in ways that I never thought possible. Oh yeah. Like yeah. I, I would have never guessed that entering into that abusive relationship or, or having the abusive parent or whatever type of abuse, you know, that we've been through, I did not realize that that was really going to impact my every single day and how that's going to one affect my children, but two, how does it affect your professional life? Mm -hmm. I experienced that recently. Yeah, I did. I had an employer who I was interviewing with and they had asked me, well, the comment that they made was, wow, you've never been at a job for longer than three years. And I was taken aback by that because I've never been asked the question, why do you have so many employers? And it was so challenging for me Cause how, like, how do you say, oh, I was escaping an abusive relationship, right? Like, I don't know how, I shouldn't have to, like, I feel like that's so challenging to say like, well, what's, what's, why did you go from this job to this job? It's like, well, it's because I was escaping Mm -hmm. a relationship or I didn't have stability in my life at this point. Like, what do you want to hear? Right. Yeah. I, uh, I haven't been in the workforce since, um, since my oldest was born. So it's been like 10 years, but I, I, have been going to college. Um, and I think for me, the thing that I loved about starting college is that nobody knew me and I didn't have to talk about because nobody knew. Right. And it was, it wasn't just the abuse that I suffered as a, as a kid. Um, but it was also like the abusive relationship I was in, um, before I moved back to Oregon from Utah. And, um, I think having that, uh, power made me feel like kind of invisible, but in a really good way. Like I only, had to show the parts of myself that I wanted to show. And that was really nice because then I wasn't being judged for what I have overcome. I was being, uh, not even judged, but I I was being looked at as like this person that I wanted to be. So, you know, we talk about the girl that died when my abuse started. When I started college, I was like, oh, so I get to invent who, who I want, want to be, who I want these people to see. And then I got, like, I just felt like, um, I wasn't being fake, but I was being the best version of myself, you know? And one thing I want to go back really quick. Um, so I also have a little bit of a hard time being touched, not, not a ton, but like I get, um, out touched where it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm done. Like I've, I've been touched too much today. And one of the things that I do with my youngest is I tell her, listen, I know that you want to snuggle right now. Um, and I want to snuggle. I need like 20 minutes of alone time where I'm not being touched because mommy's skin doesn't want to be touched anymore. So I'm going to set a timer for 20 minutes. And then when the, when the timer goes off, you can come back and we can snuggle. Like just even just setting that boundary with her teaches her that it is okay to set boundaries and it, it is okay that other people set boundaries with you. I'm not rejecting her. I'm just asking for a little bit of space mm-hmm. yeah. and then we can come back and, and do whatever. And, and then that has helped a lot because I used to get like a little mad, like, okay, stop touching it. Like, stop. Right. Like yeah. I kind of freak out. And then like the, the look of like her on her face, would just break my heart. Like, oh, like I'm such a bad mom. I can't believe I just yelled at her for that. And all she wants is to snuggle. And yeah. now 
I watch her with other people and, and watch her say, I need a little bit of alone time. I need some space. I'm going to go in my room and, you know, just be by myself for a little while. I love that for her because it allows her to kind of decompress and know that it's okay to do that instead of feeling pressured to be whatever she thinks other people want her to be, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Wow. It's a lot. <laughs> it is. And I think it's so like, it's healthy to have those boundaries and allow your children to have those boundaries, yeah. especially when it comes to like playing with other kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I know, like even when our kids play, um, sometimes it's too much for them. Yeah. Oh <laughs> and yeah. They need to have their alone time. Yes. And it's okay for them to do 100%. that. percent. And it's okay. Like my son, I mean, he's very much an independent player. He likes to be alone. Um, mm-hmm. but he also has his moments where he does want to play and that's obviously fine. And then he will start playing And then sometimes he realizes, oh, I would rather be alone. But, and we have sometimes a hard time of him communicating that. Um, So we're trying to work on that (laughs) and like, just like make his boundaries not seem so mean Uh, and aggressive. aggressive. Yeah. And that's, I know that's something that we've definitely been working on in our household because I mean, as pretty much everybody knows, like Danny and I live together. Yeah. So our kids are together. So, and they're polar opposites. My oldest child is like an extrovert. He's constantly (laughs) wanting to play with other people. I mean, part of that's probably because he is homeschooled and Mm -hmm. with the working situation, it's been kind of challenging to get him into those extracurricular groups, but he does have that constant need to like want to play with somebody. Mm -hmm. And so he, it's teaching him like, it's okay for like other, like having other people set those boundaries against you and that being totally acceptable um, because if you want them to respect your boundaries you also have to equally respect their boundaries right exactly because just because I'm their mom doesn't mean I get to just walk all over every boundary they set right like as their mom I should be respecting that boundary more so than other people and one of the one of the things that also for for my oldest she's extremely social as well she is a huge introvert or extrovert and she doesn't like to hurt other people's feelings Right. So like if she doesn't want to play with somebody, she will do it anyway because she doesn't want to hurt their feelings, you know? And um, one of the things that I try to do for her is really advocate for her. There was a student at her school who really wanted to be her friend um, and wasn't taught how to be a good friend. So this this student would um, tell lies about my oldest and um, she would say that certain things happened even though they didn't. Like when she'd get mad, she'd like make up these rumors and like start telling all the other kids in the class. And and, I mean, my oldest is 10. So like, you know, she's in, she's going to be in fifth grade. And my oldest just didn't understand this behavior. She could not wrap her head around why somebody would do that because she has, she has such a strong sense of fairness that when somebody treats her unfairly, she doesn't understand why, because she would never do that to somebody else. Right. Right. And so she was telling me, I don't want to be with this person anymore, but I don't know how to tell her that I don't want to be her friend. Mm -hmm, And I was like, well, what you say is when these things happen, when rumors get spread about me, when people tell lies about me, when people get mad at me and I don't know why. And I taught her um, what we call the four-step communication. So it's what is happening. So what, what's making you upset? So let's say it's um, when people spread rumors about me, I think it's because, and then she would explain like why she thinks the student is spreading rumors. So like, I think it's because you're mad at me for something, or I think it's because that person's mad at me. I feel like it's an unfair way of asking for someone to do something differently. And in the future, I would hope that person would be able to come to me and say, 
I don't like it when you do this. And can we work on it? Right. So just teaching her that four-step communication. Yeah. And then also like being on the phone with her teachers and being like, I, you know, these two students don't get along. I would like them not to be in the same class. And if that's not possible, I would like them to be in the same group or not to be in the same um, team or whatever it ends up being. And just making sure that I'm keeping her safe at school when other adults are not advocating for her. You know, yeah, I, I think that I had and I didn't recognize it because, of course, you know, you're talking about 10 year olds, right? Mm-hmm. But there's toxic friendships that develop at that age. I mean, oh, I yeah. can remember like, I mean, one, I was probably the toxic friend because I, I was definitely that person who was not taught how to have friends, how to maintain boundaries and relationships. I mean, it's something that I did not understand until I was in my 20s. Mm -hmm. And when you're that age, I think that's something that we could really speak to is how do we advocate what toxic traits are and how do we like, like make our children aware of those things? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I think what I've done for the girls is um, just modeling behavior, like model, like model behavior. And I, as an adult, I've had to end a couple of friendships and um it's hard it's hard to end friendships and it's yeah. hard it's hard to end them as adults especially when your friends have kids that are the same age and then your kids end up being friends um and so what i what i told and it's it's mostly my oldest my youngest my youngest is pretty easy going she doesn't she doesn't care a lot about stuff like that um but with my oldest what i told her was you know these are the things that make a good friend right like like list some things that you that you think make good friends and so she'd like list all these things and and I would say, does, have you ever seen so-and-so do this? Like, um, so a good friend will talk to you when you're sad, right? And they'll, t- and they'll yeah. help you feel better, right? So like, that's something she says. And I was like, have you ever seen so-and-so do that for you? And she's like, no. And I was like, so do you think that she's a good friend? Oh, okay. So maybe not. Or, or then it's like the next one's like, oh, they, they show up to things when you invite them over. Does so-and-so do that for you? No. So do you think that maybe she's not a good friend? It's just asking her like it's kind of allowing them to answer their own question. Like for me, it's, it's list all the things that you think make you a good friend and compare that list to the list of your friends and do your friends align, right? Are you guys aligned in what you think makes good friendship? And then also being able to tell her that obviously no one's perfect. And every year, you know, we give friends another chance because we allow people to change and grow. You know, people are allowed to change and grow. And the other thing that I tell her is we give grace, right? We we give grace to people um, because we don't know what they've been through. You know, right. like this, uh, this student at school, we gave her like three years of grace and like trying and, and it just didn't work out. And that's, that's okay. But my oldest also found some pretty good friendships that did mark a bunch of her boxes as far as like these, this is what good friends are to me. And the few traits she didn't love, she set boundaries, you know? And, and I think that allowing her to recognize on her own what she finds, what quality she finds in friends that she likes versus me telling her, well, this is what good friends do. It's her telling me, this is what good friends do. And then me asking her, 
does this friend do that for you? Wow. You know what I mean? I do that in my own. I was going to say, yeah, because <laughs> we we've, um, we've definitely like talked about like, even in adults, um, sometimes it's hard to see at first, what are those toxic traits amongst the friendships that we have? I know I have one in particular of this person who I had known maybe for 10 years on the internet, purely because she had been with somebody who was in the same military area that my ex-husband was. And mm-hmm. she lives pretty close. So I was like, okay, like, let's hang out. And like, everything was okay at first. And then it just became very overwhelming, very fast. Mm -hmm. And it was like, I went up to visit her one time. And the next day, this person is like blowing up my phone, just ask, like talking about their friendship that they lost because that person was trying to set boundaries with her and she Mm -hmm. was not okay with that. And so for me, it was almost really challenging because you want I mean, I love people. I'm an extrovert. I want friends. I want people to surround myself with. And it's still a little bit hard for me as an adult to be like, I I know that this friendship's not a good one. Um, But cutting it off was definitely like, I did end up doing that. But it was a challenge. And I can imagine being like 10 years old again and having to set those mature boundaries. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a the, challenge. Yeah, but the difference between like us and her is we weren't encouraged to do that, right? That's it so was, true. No, it, it is true because like I, I am one of those people that I will give others chance after chance after chance after chance until I truly believe that there is no saving this, that, that this is not a good relationship, this is not a good friendship, and then I cut it off and then like that bridge is burned, right? Yeah, yeah. And I don't necessarily want that for my girls, right? I want them to not get hurt obviously, right? That's yeah. what we all want as parents. Um, and I think that being able to teach them how to recognize the toxic trait early allows them to say, like, I'm not willing to put in the work for this, or I'm not willing to be this person's friend, because I'm not willing to hurt myself to make them feel better. Right. And that, and that is something that we were not encouraged to do as kids. It's just not, not really and it, at all. Yeah. And so like, and so now, like for me, like I said, I've had to end a couple of adult friendships, which are very hard. Um, But sometimes people are like, why did it take you so long? Why, why did it take you so long? And it's like, because I'm not going to just burn bridges because that's not how I was raised. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm not, and I'm not saying that that's right or wrong. That's just how I operate, but I don't want my girls. I want them to be like, no, I don't like being treated like this. I don't want to be a part of this. Like, thank you for the friendship, but I'm done. And I hope, I hope you find better, you know? Right. Also like setting that up for like the healthy friendships was also, it's also going to set them up for a healthy relationship. Like once they're older, Cause then they'll yep. be able to understand like, that's, that's a red flag. Like that's not okay with me. Like yeah. that's not even in like, that's not good in a friendship. That's not good in a relationship. So setting that yeah. up, I think is really important so that they know in the future for relationship wise, like you don't want to be in like a toxic relationship, like obviously. Right. Yeah. You know? And right. this reminds me of something that you said, Corey, uh, in one of the earlier episodes, you're like, well, he never hit me. So it wasn't abuse. Right. Um, I had an ex who also never hit me, but was extremely abused. And one of the, one thing that I've, I've really tried to do with the girls is like when, when I see something happening or like when, when I, when they're having conflict, it's letting them know that it's okay for them not to be okay with how they're being treated, Mm -hmm, you know, and, and telling them like, yes, okay, this isn't for like, yes, okay, this person's not hitting you, but they also don't get to speak to you like that. You are a person, you're a human, you deserve respect. And if people are not speaking to you with respect, 
you do not have to tolerate that. And that includes right. adults. That includes yeah. adults. That includes teachers. You're allowed to set boundaries with all those people. And if they choose not to respect your boundaries, then you don't want that person around. Right. Yeah. You know? And I think that's like a big thing for me because I had that mindset for so long of he didn't hit me. So it's okay. Like it wasn't abuse. Like, and I think that's also a big reason why I never talked about it until recently like honestly when I when we started the podcast and we started talking about um like our situation and stuff that was really the first time that I've ever really told my whole story so I don't know it's just it's a lot I know a lot I wasn't able to determine what was toxic and what was okay I mean I it's just so chaotic now to me to look back and see what what did my mom teach me and where did that lead me I mean it's so I mean I love my mom I will always love my mom but I think it's okay for me as an adult to be like none of this that I experienced as a kid was okay and to like let my child recognize that those things aren't okay because Mm -hmm. I don't want my children to not be able to identify those sorts of red flags Mm -hmm. when you know you don't feel good about something it's okay to follow that intuition I don't care if it's your grandmother I don't care who it is in your life that says these things to you it's not okay and if this is something that you don't want to deal with you're not going to have because later on in life as an adult you get to make those decisions so I can't let him feel like just because he's a kid he has to deal with these things right right that's 100% what we dealt with I know our family too yeah and I do just want to say I want to actually like compliment you because I do notice like when he goes I'm gonna cry (laughs) Like I noticed like when he goes to like your mom's house and stuff like and he stays the night and like sometimes sometimes he like comes back and he like speaks to you about how like grandma did this and I didn't like that and then like you are always very good at like kind of correcting him and then you also like said those boundaries sorry (laughs) I don't know why I'm crying (laughs) it's because it's our babies it's like it's hard like I feel like as a mom like watching my babies go through things and and like they're going to right because it's life like you go through things and but when they go through things with people that they love and then you have to teach them that it's okay to not be okay with how they were treated. Yeah. Teaching them to stand up for themselves, especially to people that they love. That's not easy. It's not easy because no. it makes makes yeah. you uncomfortable. It makes them uncomfortable. It makes the person they're setting boundaries with uncomfortable. But yeah. nobody ever grew by being comfortable, right? Oh, 100%. Right. Yeah. Like the way that we grow as a society and as people is we get uncomfortable, you know? And one of the things that I'm, I'm trying to encourage my girls to say is you don't get to talk about my body, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, because, because we are, a house of girls the, the only man that lives in my house is my husband um we are a house of girls <laughs> body image is something that is just in our faces all the time and my yeah. my girls finally um so my youngest is super tiny like Corey, like your your baby is yeah. tiny my my youngest is like the size of a five-year-old and she's turning seven yeah she's little yeah um, my son's eight yeah right so <laughs> tiny tiny little um so they finally got big enough to where my oldest is, is big enough to sit in the front seat and my youngest is finally big enough to sit in a booster without the five-point harness, right? Mm-hmm. Like we just got there this summer. Yeah. And my oldest was so excited because now she gets to sit in the front seat and she, she told someone like, oh my gosh, guess what? I'm finally like, I weigh enough that I can sit in the front seat. And this person called her fat. <gasps> fat. That is oh my terrible. Gosh. It was a joke. It was totally a joke. Like, oh my gosh, you're getting so fat. I guess we got to put you on a diet. And I looked at that person and I said, do not say that. I was like, you cannot 
talk about her body that way absolutely at all and I stood up for her in front of in front of her in front of that person it was uncomfortable Mm -hmm. it was it made everybody uncomfortable but I want my oldest I want my kids to know that people are not allowed to speak about their bodies right Right. and then and then my oldest says it again to somebody else and they say the same thing and I, I I wheeled around so fast I looked them in the face and I was like what the fuck is wrong with you. She is 10 years old. Yeah, you right. don't get to speak about her body that way. And her watching me stand up for her back to back like that, I think it just, I hope it instills that same confidence for her to be able to look at people and say, you can't talk about my body. Right. I don't yeah. want to hear, I don't want to hear what you think about how I look because it's none of your business. Yeah. Right. You know? And I like going back to you, Danny, when he comes home and you guys talk about those things, you always set those boundaries again with your mom. I have to every like, time. Every time. Yeah. And I, love that that you do that because it's so healthy like he gets upset when he comes home and he tells you about that yeah and you are always advocating for him and I love that (laughs) so (laughs) sorry I'm no it's okay it is something that I've really struggled with because even as an adult I have the hardest time look like I look at my relationship with my mother and I still to this day I'm not gonna lie um, I'm trying to be more outspoken about it. And it's something that I've had to overcome. And I'm, it's trying not to be afraid to say it right. And, and not caring what people think, because unfortunately is, you know, that we have a family that they think their opinion matters. They think their opinion, and this by no means is to single anybody out, but these are just things that I've been told in my life, but I have a hard time having a relationship with my mom because of those things. And it's almost like you're being taught like, well, this person does so much for you. Like you have to, to put up with it. And that is something that I have dealt with for so long that, you know, you feel like, well, they gave me life. I have to get along with them or they have helped me in these situations, like an emergency situation or like a babysitting situation that I have to put up with that abuse because of that. And that's a boundary that I'm still learning to this day to put up because I do not want my children to experience what I did because to her, there is no boundary. Those kids may as well be me. She is reacting to them the way that she knows how, because she doesn't go to therapy. She doesn't make the changes. And I've learned that it's very challenging for people with borderline. And I'm not saying that everybody with borderline is this way, just speaking to my my mom, Mm -hmm. but she does treat my kids sometimes and says things that I'm constantly like, you can't say that to them. Even if it sounds like a small joke, Mm -hmm. doesn't matter how it sounds to you. It's not okay to say that to them. You can't speak to that. You can't say, oh, because he didn't like my oldest is ADHD and she'll point out like, oh, your medication might isn't working because you're, you know, you're acting super hyper today which that is not. And I've had to explain that to her a number of times. Like that's not how the medication works. It is an aid to him. It is a tool. It is not the answer. Like his personality is just so bubbly and so talkative. Anyways, he'll talk your ear off. And yes, (laughs) I've had to teach him again, those healthy boundaries with like, Hey buddy, you can't ramble to people because one, they're going to lose, they're going to, you're going to lose them. And you want people to pay attention. So you got to, you know, take breaks every now and then. And he's getting that. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's awesome. But it's the fact that he's being like talking down to by an adult who thinks it's a joke right and that's been from our parents generation that was okay to make those small little snide remarks Mm -hmm. that in adulthood we're like man I wish my mom never said that to me right right because you never know like I I just feel like you never know what's gonna stick with a kid you know what I mean yes and um I think I, I I'm not sure if I said this early I don't think I said it like while we were recording but I know I know that my kids are gonna end up with some kind of trauma 
because they will, right? Like nobody's perfect. Nobody's a perfect parent. The goal is to not put them through the same trauma that we went through, right? Yeah. And maybe, maybe it will be for the girls. Oh, my mom yelled a lot. I'm totally a yeller. I I always have been. Yeah. Maybe it's my mom drank a lot. Maybe it's my mom hung out with Mary Jane way too many times. Maybe it's going to be, you know, I'm totally a naked mom. And it's like, oh, my mom never wore clothes around the house. Like, I don't know what it's going to be because like those things that I just mentioned, like, um, well, like, you know, like Mary Jane wasn't as big, like when our parents were like our age, but like my my parents drank, my mom was a naked mom. Uh, we moved a whole bunch when I was a kid moving never affected me, but it did affect my brother, you know? And so I don't know what my kids' trauma is going to be, but whatever it is, I hope that I get to be part of their healing journey. And I hope that they trust that they can come to me and be like, Hey mom, you know, when I was, and um, you drank all the time that really affected me. And I can, and being able to come to them and say, I am so sorry. I never meant to hurt you. You know, what can I do now? How can I, how can I help heal you? Yeah. Um, is, is something that I wish um, I could have had, right? Yeah. I just, oh, 100%. I, yeah. yeah. Like, I just wish it was just like an acknowledgement of like, I'm sorry that this is your trauma and I'd like to help you heal from it. And how can I? Right. Oh, I love that. Even to this day, like my son, he'll be like, mom, you, you, you yelled at me. You, you made me feel bad. And I'm like sitting there with him talking it out. Like, it's okay to talk about it. Like Mm -hmm. I make mistakes, just like you make mistakes. I make mistakes. I can guarantee that we're all on this learning curve and getting him comfortable enough to come talk to me and say, I don't like this. Mm -hmm. And like Mm -hmm. you said, I wish I could have gone to my parents. I still to this day, can't go to my own mom and say this hurt. You know, I mean, my dad's a little bit different. Um, I can talk to him about things and like our relationship is just, I I feel like I have an actual parent with my dad versus Mm -hmm. with my mom. It's very different, but my dad is constantly being okay with what I say. Does he always agree with it? No, <laughs> he's very traditional in that old, just older boomer mentality, right? Where they think they're the parent and they can't do any wrong, which I have so mm-hmm. much respect for my, for my dad. So no shame to him. Um, right. But just the fact that my like getting my son again, like you said, to feel comfortable enough to come to me and be like, this really hurt and being mm-hmm. able to talk through it and be like, okay, how can we, what can we do now? I don't, I don't spend a lot of time like claiming to be like a gentle parent or anything like that because I like, cause I do yell, right? Like I am, I am a yeller and it usually takes like a few, a few before, um, before I start yelling, yeah. but I'm also, I also don't ever want to be the type of parent to tell my kids that they're wrong for feeling how they feel, especially if it's something that I did, right? I don't ever want them to think like, oh, that's my mom. I can't tell her that she hurt my feelings. If I hurt your feelings, I want to know because I don't want to do it again. And I'd like to correct the mistake now instead of waiting 20 years and 20 years later, finding out that something I did hurt you, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, and I think, and I think being a safe place for them to come and talk to you and not getting mad at them for telling you is, is what keeps them coming back to us and telling us like, Hey, you know, this, this actions behavior, what you said about my outfit, what, how you treated me. I didn't like that. I'm really sorry that I did that. So always apologize, right? Apologize, take kind of own up to what they're saying. And then I started asking them next time, what can I do differently? What can I do better? How could I still get my point across that I needed you to do X, Y, and Z. How can I do that without hurting your feelings? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think, and I think it also like sometimes, you know, 
they'll be like, well, I don't know. And I'm like, okay, well, I need you to think about it and then come back and tell me. And it, it allows them to kind of um, explore their own feelings of like, why did that upset me? What exactly about it was it? Was it what she said or how she said it or the fact that she was yelling or, and then being able to come back and be like, well, I'm okay with what you said, but I don't like that you yelled at me to do it. Yeah. Okay, right. So next time, can you just ask me to do it? And it's like, yes, right. I totally can, you know? And, and, and being able to admit that I'm wrong in front of them, I think is a huge like game changer. That is not something my parents ever did. Oh my gosh, and even never. now yeah. as an adult, my parents don't admit that they're wrong. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. and I don't think that that is because they're bad parents. I think that that is just how they were raised, right. oh, you know? Yeah. 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 Well, um, uh, it's been a, about an hour now. I think that we've been <laughs> chatting. Isn't that crazy how fast time goes when you're like really passionate mm -hmm. about a conversation. Yeah. And um, I think your insight has been fantastic. You yeah, know, thank you. It's, it's amazing what we can learn and overcome as people. It surprises me every day because there were moments after the trauma where I'm like, I'm never going to get over right. this. Right. Like feeling right now will genuinely is how yeah. I can say that I felt and how much that we've learned over time. It's wild. I mean, yeah. I'm definitely not the same person I was three years ago, four years ago. I'm not even yeah. the same person I was last year. <laughs> yeah, honestly. Right. Just one last thing that I'd like to say is one thing that I've learned that I've been trying to teach the girls is we can't change them. They are who they are. And what we can do is we can protect ourselves from the parts of them that don't align with our values. Yeah. And, you know, when you have family members who you don't necessarily see eye to eye with, that's okay. It doesn't mean you have to stop loving them or you have to not be in their life. It just means that you just don't agree. And that's okay. You're allowed to yeah. not agree with people. And all you do, all all I've had to do is just adjust my relationship with those people and keep things either really light, superficial, if you will, um, not trust them or share like super intimate things with them because we don't see eye to eye. It doesn't yeah. mean that I don't, I don't get to have them in my life. It just means I, I treat them differently as far as like what I share with them. Yeah, and right, you know, I think giving the girl, my girls, the power to also pick and choose what they share with people has been kind of a game changer for them as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. I love that. And you're right. You're never going to see eye to eye with everybody on a hundred percent of anything. Right. No. And finding those people who you can have differences with and come to a common understanding. Corey and I disagree on quite a few things, but mm -hmm. yet I don't think either of us has ever attacked the other person or made the other person feel like bad for how they feel. Yeah. It, and it's finding those friendships that are healthy in that way and getting kids to understand they're not going to agree with you on everything. Mm -hmm. If yeah. your favorite show is, uh, I don't know, whatever, whatever the kids are watching today, like, <laughs> okay, zombies, for example, your favorite movie might be zombies, but so-and-so's might not be into zombies and that's okay. You guys can still be friends as long as that person doesn't make you feel bad for liking zombies and as long as you don't make that person feel bad for not liking zombies it's okay you guys you can watch zombies when you're by yourself and that person can do what they like to do by themselves as long as you're not hurting anybody mm -hmm. this like, conversation totally reminds me of um when our oldest were hanging out danny mining yours yes and um, my oldest was trying to tell your oldest about descendants and he was just like, no, like, I don't really like that. Like, I don't, you know, like he was kind of like, nah, like, um, you, you should give it a try, but if you don't want to, that's totally okay. What do you like? And then, and then they got on the zombie kick together and yeah. like, they, they did find common ground, but it was really nice because him being able to tell her like, no, I don't like this thing. And her being able to accept that answer and not like forcing her like feelings on on him about it was just okay like you don't have to like it but but if you haven't tried it like maybe try it or or not like she she wasn't trying to be pushy yeah. but she was also trying to like find like common ground because it, right. I think it was like the first time they had been 
ever hung out before. It was. And yeah. watching those two, I don't know, it made me really proud of both of us as moms because it was, they're both setting boundaries and also being respectful of other people's opinions and values. And it just, I don't know, it was really cool. Yeah, it was. I, I really enjoy the relationships that my oldest is building with, with her son and with your kids and getting those relationships that I feel like as a kid, I did not have mm-hmm. because I was not by, I mean, you know, personally, I'm not close with a lot of my family members. What's so yeah. funny is I'm closer to my extended second cousins than I am with my first cousins. Yeah. And for my children to have those relationships with my youngest and his older brother, which is kind of strange right now, just because <laughs> their age difference is so wonky to have those, those tight knit relationships and to be able to be like excited. Like I want to see these people. My son loves playing with your kids on Roblox. Like that's his favorite thing. He gets so excited. Like my Roblox friends are on, like I have to play with them. My Roblox cousins are, I think is what he says, but yeah. Um, thank you so much for your time. We Heck really yeah. thank appreciate you for, you. Thank you for letting me be here. Thank you for speaking out. Um, I, again, I think this is going to add so much value to people um, and understanding where we can come after our traumas and how it's okay to feel not okay for a while. And it is okay to change everything that you feel is necessary for your kids to grow up in a healthy, safe environment. Mm-hmm. Your yeah. traumas don't have to consume your life. Yeah, they really don't. They don't have to. And they don't. And what I think you and I, what I think you guys and I are doing for our kids is we're stopping that gen, right? Yeah. We're the we're the generation that gets to stop passing it down because when you know better, you do better, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks so much everybody for following along with us. We hope so much that you found value here. Tara Lynn, again, thank you so much for your time. We're so proud of you for coming here and sharing your story. And Corey, again, thank you so much for being a part of my life in this weird way. <laughs> right. All right, everybody. We'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye.